Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Friday, August the 21st of 2020. We welcome you to our podcast on this Friday as we get ready to go into the weekend. As always, we thank the Lord uh, for sharing your time and, and joining us as we fellowship in the Word of God, as we speak uh, of things that are, I, I believe, they're the, they're the utmost important things that we need to speak about, which is the days that we're living in and the days that are coming. And uh, we pray, we will be praying for each and every one of you this weekend and hoping to be back with you this Monday if if the Lord allows it. But today, this is Friday, and uh, God always has something fresh and new. And we're going to continue our study in the book of Jeremiah. I believe God is going to show us some powerful insights and things today, and I'm excited about it. In the panel today, we have Brother Marty and Brother Fernando uh, joining us today. And as always, it is an honor to be able to study the Word of God together. So without further ado, Brother Marty, I'll leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Praise the Lord. It's good to come to you this Friday, and <clears throat> we're looking forward to today's study, as Brother Jeremy said. Uh, we've been discussing uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, two baskets of figs that Jeremiah saw in Jeremiah chapter 24, verse 1, after the initial captivity took place where Nebuchadnezzar came down and and, and took the best of the best out of Jerusalem, uh, removing the princes, the nobles, the elders. And, and a great host of men, women, and children, uh, and, and took them captive all the way to Babylon. And it was after this happened that, uh, as we've been exploring, that God showed Jeremiah two baskets of figs placed directly in front of the temple of God, representing his presence and what was actually taking place, which was that what they found themselves under was the correcting hand of God. And what appeared to be a bad thing was actually the moving of the Spirit of God beginning to separate his true church from his false church. <clears throat> Both of them needed correction. So it's not as if that everyone that was taken captive into Babylon was, was this, you know, pristine, pure person. But they were selected by God as those, uh, many of them would have the heart uh, to understand what it was that he was doing and how he was going to correct them. And when he was done, he would bring them out and they would return and indeed uh, inherit the new Jerusalem. But that's what he saw, and that's what we've been ex, uh, you know, exploring, and we encourage you to go back and study the, uh, the series uh, that we've begun on these studies of Jeremiah, particularly the last uh, three, uh, which brings you, which will bring you up to speed in case you're just joining us today. So we encourage you to have your Bibles out as we explore the Word of God today, and, and we're going to be coming to you today uh, as we continue going forward, <clears throat> looking at... Uh, at this incredible conflict uh, that took place between uh, the two national prophets. One was named Hananiah, the other was Jeremiah. And, and these things came to a head, and, and, uh, and we're going to learn and see, uh, you know, what actually transpired as God began to, uh, to deal with the nation further. They were only several years away from the, de the destruction that had been prophesied and, and uh and we believe that we are seeing many many of these metaphors and parallels uh, can be prophetically applied to our times 
and to the church of the West, specifically the church in this country. And so that's how we've been coming at it and looking at it. And so today we're going to begin uh, in Jeremiah chapter 28. <clears throat> and I'm going to ask Brother Jeremy to start our study in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by reading to us verse 1 through 3. And that'll be our launching point. We'll go over some uh, a little bit of review and then we'll get right into this this conflict, this incredible conflict that occurred in Solomon's temple, on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem between Hananiah and Jeremiah. Brother uh, Jeremy, would you would you read to us, please, in Jesus' name? Amen. And it came to pass the same year, in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year, and in the fifth month, that Hananiah, the son of Azur, the prophet, which was of Gibeon, spake unto me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests and of all the people, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two full years will I bring again into this place all the vessels of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried them to Babylon. Incredible. Uh, again, the time frame was identified there in verse 1 as the fourth year of the fifth month. And, and, and that's an important clue to us uh, to get the background on, on and where we see uh, this conflict take place. Uh, but as we explored yesterday, uh, you know, Prophet Jeremiah's ministry was, was now being propelled into a, into a new level. And we discussed it yesterday. We encourage you to go back. We don't want to, you know, belabor it and, and go into it, uh, you know, too deeply. Uh, we want to get to our study today. But but it, for those of you just joining us and for purposes of just refreshing our mind, in Jeremiah chapter 27, verse 1, uh, it reveals the ascension to the throne of Jehoiakim uh, after the defeat and, and the death of, of the great king Josiah in the fields of Megiddo, Armageddon really is where he died. Uh, the Egyptian pharaoh, Nico, had defeated him in battle, and he uh, he lost his life. He was carried back to Jerusalem, and his son, Jehoahaz, was installed for a brief period of about three months, at which time this new power that had been rising in the north, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, was going to come down and 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 remove him so to speak, but <clears throat> what ended up happening uh, was as as Nebuchadnezzar was beginning to rise, his father actually, Nabopolizer was his name, they were beginning to be a power in the north. He would eventually come down and, uh, and, and remove Jehoiakim, who would ascend to the throne. But Pharaoh Necho, after defeating Josiah, he put Jehoahaz in power, and then he came, uh, and uh, I mean, Jehoahaz was anointed, by the children of, of Judah and placed into power, but Pharaoh Necho didn't didn't uh, want to want that to be, and so he came down uh, during this time frame and uh, subjugated Jerusalem and Judah uh, under his his uh, control. They, they they became like a satellite state to Egypt, and he installed uh, Jehoiakim as the king, and and then put uh, heavy taxation and and, and burden. On, on the people of, of Jerusalem and basically 
Jehoiakim became his, his puppet king. And so when he ascended to the throne, what we see in Jeremiah 27, verse 1, is, is that at that time, God begins to speak to Jeremiah and reveal to him uh, that a new power was rising. It was a triggering event. It was something that, that God had revealed to, to Jeremiah many, many years before. It was very indicative of his, of his ministry. Uh, right when Jeremiah's ministry began, uh, which would be indicative of his call, right? Because like we've been talking about, Jeremiah the prophet is unique amongst the prophets of his time. Because he wasn't a prophet who prophesied, you know, so to speak, uh, like an Isaiah or a Hosea who God sent early on as the nation began to decline and backslide. And, and he sent those prophets to warn them that if they persisted in uh, in their idolatry and in all the, the paganistic practices they were now embracing and corrupting his house, that eventually it would lead uh, to their destruction. But yet they prophesied, you know, 100, 150 years in advance of those prophecies coming to pass, a couple hundred years. And uh, but Jeremiah, consequently, he he arrived on the scene when there was just, uh, you know, uh, basically several years before those older prophets prophecies would come to pass. And so what makes him unique is that he's a prophet that was risen up by God who would actually be alive to witness the very destruction that the prophets of old had prophesied. And, and also the destruction and the fulfillment of the words that God had given him in his own ministry. It's really unique when you think about it, brothers, that and rare in the word of God where the prophets of old, where they would actually prophesy and what they prophesied to that extent would come to pass within their own lifetime. That's an incredible thing. You know, although Jeremiah does prophesy well into the future, and, and, and really, uh, it, it, which we'll look at in the coming days, we hope, if the Lord allows. Um, many of the things that Jeremiah said in some of his prophecies, actually you'll find show up um, in the book of Revelation that John uh, had revealed to him. And so we know that some of the portion of his prophecies are about to be fulfilled in our time. But he's also a, a great uh you know, it's it, 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 he's a great lens to focus on on our time, and and we learn from the Word of God what happens to the nations, and what happens to specifically nations that are identified as the people of God, which is why we're looking at these things so that we can glean and learn some some things and to see are these things transpiring in our day? Are they actually coming to pass? Well, we think that they are. So it was at the beginning of Jehoiakim's reign that Jeremiah is given uh, this incredible insight with only about 22 years left before the ultimate destruction of Judah, Jerusalem, and the temple would occur. And the Lord had Jeremiah in verse 2, as we had seen before, make make these bonds and these yokes and and have him take these bonds and yokes and keep them safe, but part of the bonds and the yokes that he made or one of them at least he was required to walk around wearing it <laughs> and and uh and he literally wore that thing he would take you know when he was in public he would put this thing on and he would go walking around with this yoke and you need to picture of how like when whenever you uh think of the old days or how they used to plow a field 
they would put a yoke on a on a, on an ox, right, or or a horse, and and they would plow the field behind them, and that yoke would keep them in line, subservient to the master who was controlling them. Well, this was a an illustrated sermon, really, that Jeremiah had to be part of as God directed him. And what we learned from that, really, if you consider it, is just how hard the culture had become. That is, the people of God had become. Because it was no longer enough that the prophets just prophesied. You know, it wasn't enough to move the people anymore. They had become so callous and hard to the moving of the Holy Spirit in their lives. That for, you know, for all intents and purposes, they were basically too hardened uh, to, to simply receive the word of God as preached by the prophets of God. And so God having Jeremiah begin to put this yoke made out of wood and, and, and leather straps where he would hang his arms on. It really looked like he was carrying a cross around. But <laughs> maybe there's some symbolism there that we could explore uh, at a, at a later date, but, but the fact that he would have to walk around in such a public way, um, you know, indicates just how hard the people were. It took that to at least get their attention in some way, um, as to what God was trying to say. And so that's what he did. Jeremiah 27 and, and, and verse two, he makes these yokes. Now, some of the yokes that he made were specifically designed to be given to five particular kingdoms and kings. God was going to have him hand those out, but not yet. He he makes them at the beginning of Jehoiakim's reign, but he doesn't break them out until 15 years later. And and, and we yeah. discussed that. Yeah, quite amazing. Because over the it was over that 15 year period that the the power of Nebuchadnezzar it began solidifying, and it was on the brink of of being and becoming a full fledged global empire. It, it, and like we've been discussing, that global empire of Nebuchadnezzar it's a foreshadow for our times of the Antichrist, of the global system that the Bible predicts is going to come upon the face of the world. It's predicted in the book of Revelation, and, and we've discussed this before, and, and and that's what we see in Nebuchadnezzar. He was a megalomaniac, a single dictator who ruled the world of his day. He even erected a, a statue in the very place that Nimrod, thousands of years before, had built the Tower of Babel, another type of the Antichrist that is yet to come. And so these stories catch our attention precisely for the parallels that are predicted to come to pass in our time. And so it's during this 15-year period that Jehoiakim was deposed and and he was killed. After 11 years, he was killed by the very forces of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was now probably about 75, 80% at the height of his power. And he comes down into uh, or heads towards Jerusalem and and he has to delay his entrance into Jerusalem because of war that he would have uh, <clears throat> with with uh, Pharaoh Necho and and other uh, regional powers. And so he delayed his his first incursion. But he did send emissaries, kind of like the SEAL team of his day, you know, from Syria and from the Chaldeans. He sent special forces yet still to go and and to arrest Jehoiakim. Because he viewed him as a as a puppet uh, governor, really, 
though he was a king of Judah, as a puppet uh, political asset and military asset of, of Pharaoh Necho and, and the regional powers of that time, but specifically Pharaoh. And he goes and, 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 and gets him, and on the way taking him back to Babylon, uh, they killed him. And, uh, and Jehoiakim, his son, ascends to power. Now, while Nebuchadnezzar is distracted with his armies and, and, and doing kind of a mop-up job in the region there of some forces he was overcoming, Jehoiakim is killed, and his, uh, Je- Je- Jehoiakim is killed and his son, Jehoiakim, uh, ascends to the throne. And, and what's interesting about him is he only ruled for about three months, like we've discussed in the previous podcast, after which Nebuchadnezzar returned and he took captive Jehoiakim. And about 10,000 plus of the best people of Judah, that's what happened. That's when the captivity actually take place. It was, it was an interim of three months, but Nebuchadnezzar returned, and he took captive 10,000 plus of the best of Judah. And, and that's what we read in Jeremiah 24, verse 1, where it talks about uh, the captivity. And this included many of the elders and the princes of Judah and the nobles and the carpenters and the blacksmiths, men, women, and children. <clears throat> and among them also went Daniel, Ezekiel, Mordecai, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael. These all became the captivity. These became that basket of good figs that we already talked about in, in the series of the two baskets of the figs, part one and two. And so after taking the captivity, before uh, Nebuchadnezzar left, he then installed his own king, uh, King Zedekiah. That's how he came to power. Nebuchadnezzar installed him and put him under his authority and his rule. And he returned to Babylon with Judah's best. And what's interesting there is that once Zedekiah was installed by Nebuchadnezzar, It would only be 11 years from that point on until the judgment would finally come and Judah and Israel would be no more. Jerusalem destroyed and the temple destroyed. Now, this is interesting now because approximately four years into Zedekiah's reign, again, it's been 15 years since Jeremiah has made these yokes he's been walking around with. Four years into Zedekiah's reign now, that's how we get the number 15. Because remember, in Jeremiah 27, Jehoiakim becomes the king. He reigns for 11 years. There's an interim king, Jehoiakim, who's only there for about three months. And then there's Zedekiah installed. But when Jeremiah actually comes out and begins to preach what God is doing and begins to, to, to tell them that they better submit to what's happening because if they don't, they're going to find themselves in an incredibly dangerous and perilous times that that might actually cost them their lives. We know it's been 15 years precisely because what Brother Jeremy read to us in in Jeremiah chapter 28, verse 1. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy? Verse 1? Yes. It says, And it came to pass the same year in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year and in the fifth month, that Hananiah, the son of Azur, the prophet, which was of Gibeon, spake unto me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests 
and of all the people, saying. Amen. So that's how we know it's been 15 years, right? Because chapter 27 begins at the beginning of Jehoiakim's reign. Uh, by verse 3, uh, we begin to see that Zedekiah is now in power. We know that Zedekiah came to the throne at the conclusion of 11 years and three months from Jeremiah 27, verse 1. And then Jeremiah is sent to Zedekiah in verse 12 of chapter 27, and he begins to prophesy to him something. Would you read that in verse 12? Uh, God sends, yes. it to him, sends him to him. He says, uh, I spake also to Zedekiah, king of Judah, according to all these words, saying, Bring your necks under the yoke of the king of Babylon, and serve him and his people, and live. Amen. So uh, th th there we see now the prophet beginning to address the king. And then when we come to chapter 28, it says, it came to pass the same year. The same year that Jeremiah prophesied to Zedekiah that he is to submit himself to this global power that has now arisen with this Antichrist figure, uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, it, it's in that same year he was preaching to the king like that. Uh, the, uh, it, it's identified in verse 28 as being the beginning of the reign of King Zedekiah of Judah in the fourth year of his reign. So we know he's been in power four years when this message comes forth. And in the same year that he gave him that message, now comes this false prophet Hananiah to confront Jeremiah and deal with him for, for this doom and gloom preaching he's doing <laughs> in the middle of all this, right? So I hope that makes sense to you. If not, pause it, go back, listen to it, because, you know, basically it's been 15 years. I said all that to say this, right? So so but Jeremiah had – yeah, go ahead. Uh, you know, I just wanted to say, you know, this type of preaching and prophecy that Jeremiah was, uh, as he was warning the king, right? Uh, as it was unpopular in that day, it's become unpopular, right, in this day. Anytime a, a prophet of God or a man of God, you know, we bring out these truths, we are put in a category, oh, that's a doom and gloom preacher, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, and it, it, it's been um, uh, that's we are living in those exact days. The way the prophets, the false prophets, looked at Jeremiah, the way the kings did not heed to the warnings of the prophet Jeremiah, is in that same manner that we are living today. They don't want to heed, and and they are saying, "Why do you prophesy? Why do you speak? You are a doom and gloom." preacher or whatever it is you know so i, I just wanted to make that connection because that's exactly how it is today just look at the look at the uh the television channels and look what type of program is coming out of there <laughs> mm -hmm. no word you know right so i just wanted to interject that brother no that's you know, and that's a good point because we can get kind of caught up in the weeds here especially if someone hasn't heard us before and you're just listening to this podcast you know, I'm throwing out a lot of dates and places and kings and this and that and the other. But really, just to summate it, like uh, we, we might forget that what we're actually saying by exploring these stories and the narratives within them is that we are seeing the same conditions quite possibly play themselves out uh, here in the United States of, of America and across the world, across the globe, as we find ourselves in the year 2020 with a completely different world that we find ourselves living in. 
and and we are making a distinction between the nations of the world and really the seat of Judeo-Christian ministry on an international and national basis that flows out of the United States of America. Fancy way of saying we have claimed to be the purveyors or the people of God who are the purveyors of the word of God, which is the same thing uh, that was the attitude of the people uh, of Judah. And, and so we're taking these prophetic parallels and, and into that climate. Now, remember, they had already experienced an initial captivity. They had seen the rise of Nebuchadnezzar from being a power to being a solidified foreshadow, if you will, of the Antichrist that is yet to appear on in our time. He is that that picture of the Antichrist. He is a global empire. He demanded worship. He instituted a complete control of the known world of that time. That's what makes it unique, is that in the midst of this, there were two competing voices that began to emerge, like Brother Jeremy's saying. There was Jeremiah who was saying, listen, this is the hand of God, and and if you don't, submit to what's actually unfolding in your time, you're going to die. Because this Nebuchadnezzar, he don't play around. <laughs> That's basically what he's saying. Mm-hmm. But 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 what he goes on to say as we're gonna look here in a second is is basically look, this has all come to pass because you, Judah, you that were supposed to be the 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 the, the virtuous nation the light to the rest of the region. You were supposed to be the, the kings and the priests of God that, that stood for, for goodness and decency and, and light and holiness. You were to bring forth the word to the nation. Instead, you become worse than them. And your abrogation of spiritual authority that had been given to you since the days of Sinai under Moses, your great prophet, you have abdicated that. And you have polluted the house of God, and you've become worse than the nations around you. And so you've opened up something that has caused a judgment to flow into the earth and literally bring forth what we now know of, looking back in retrospect, is a foreshadow of the ultimate son of perdition that's coming, that that wicked one in the distant future from their time. But it seems to have broken open satanic influence. It allowed the rise of a global empire and then ultimately the absolute destruction of Jerusalem, Judah, and, and, and the nation of Israel as a whole. And the carrying away captive of a particular group of people that the Lord allowed to be uh, brought under a captivity. But as we've been exploring, it was for their good. And in the midst of all this turmoil, turmoil under the ministry of Jeremiah, which witnessed the death of a great king, Josiah, uh, the rise of his son, Jehoah, has only to be removed by Pharaoh of all people all those years later. From whence they had come out as slaves, he comes and installs his own king, Jehoiakim. He gets defeated by Nebuchadnezzar, the rising world and global power, who removes Jehoiakim and installs Zedekiah as a king. In the midst of all this turmoil, which was fulfilling biblical prophecy that had been given hundreds of years before by Isaiah and Amos and Joel and all those guys. I mean, all these these prophets, Isaiah and Hosea and and uh, and the great prophets uh, of old, uh, it was coming to pass in their times. And in the midst of all these signs, they had become so hardened and so incapable of seeing 
what was actually transpiring in their times and the failure of the of the ministers of their day to closely follow prophecy or even be or even care about it so that when the times actually came upon them when the days of fulfillment were now at hand they were completely blind to what was actually happening and into this right. climate god sends his prophet jeremiah over about a 40 year period and begins to preach to them beginning his ministry at the age of 25 uh, and he begins to preach up under these these transitions of times these ebbs and flows of the times and seasons but he has a completely different word than the fair-haired prophets of his day and the priests that had become so overgorged and overfed on the blessings of being around the temple and the great capital city and the corruption of the political class and the religious class that had brought the nation to the brink of, of absolute destruction and judgment by means of their false ministries. But the people didn't even want to hear it. That's why God had Jeremiah walking around with that yoke we were describing earlier. He needed. He was trying to jar them, like, who is this nut? And Jeremiah wasn't some backwoods synagogue preacher that no one heard of. He had access to the very temple courtyard themselves. And the sheer force of the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon his life over the developing and ensuing decades brought him to the very place of power, where he was now, his voice and his message was now elevated to a national and international level. And that kind of message in the face of the establishment is what brought this to a head just several years before the absolute destruction of the nation, even in the face of the deposing of kings and the taking away captive of the best of the best of the country into this climate you would you would expect an emerging patriotic message to come forth which would be embraced uh by the right. people and the culture right <laughs> let's rally them around the flag of israel right i mean that's basically what they were saying yeah and uh but but god sends a prophet with a contrawise word no 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 he says this ain't about patriotism this ain't about recapturing the glory this ain't about mm -hmm. your, right, your 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 Torah rights. <laughs> this ain't about right. any of that. <laughs> you know, you, you bring a very valid, you bring a valid and a quality point concerning uh, Judah and their disobedience. And you know, from from what we're hearing is, and the Lord's told them that too. But if 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 Judah would have remained obedient, it would have been a restraining force to this world. I, uh, power that was rising that was called Babylon. Yes. Right. If they would have been in wow. obedience, but it was their disobedience that gave mm -hmm. way to it. Right. Mm -hmm. Think about that now. And I keep, I, I, we're talking about Judah here, but I keep thinking America. Yes, buddy. You know, yeah. I keep thinking America that, you know, I heard a preacher once say, as long as the greatest export of America was the gospel that no Jack Butter heel of communism will ever enter this country. Right. Incredible. Yes. But, but we, the leadership, the, 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 the religious leadership in America has strayed away and, 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 and has given way to the rise of these false prophets. And now this global agenda that has always been hovering around the, uh, 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 around the nation and, you know, and the shores never ever, able to penetrate now here 
Yes. Why? Yes. <laughs> you know? Well, that's that's exactly right, and that's the, that's what we're actually saying. And so when 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 our when our brothers and sisters listening out there hear what we're talking about today and over the last several podcasts, you know, just just listen to this history here, and 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 also remember that that like Brother Fernando was just saying, this is a global power that that rose in their time. I'm not sure, you know, if we actually think about it, just kind of, you know, kick back here for a second. It, it, seem, it seems like there is a generation that, that gets to the point that allows the, the, uh, the established prophetic word to now come into, into full fruition, you know, because Jeremiah identified this particular generation as the generation of God's wrath. Like Brother Jeremy and I were discussing before we started this podcast this morning, uh, you know, what that teaches us is that, you know, God's word is forever established. It will come to pass. But it's interesting in how it interacts from generation mm-hmm. to generation in its fulfillment. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yes. it, it, there was something about this generation that allowed it to finally come to pass. Yeah. Which was always right. <laughs> That's what you just said, right, brother? About the gospel yeah, with the brother, what the guy said. Can you say that again? Because that was good. Yeah, no. As long as the the, the greatest export of America is the true gospel, you yeah. know, then the likes of socialism and communism will never enter our borders. But that it was couldn't. a generation, two generations ago. Right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It, it's not the uh-huh. case anymore. We are not exporting. The, we're. we're we're exporting a false message, a false gospel. That's what we're doing. Yeah. You know, so so it's here that global that global system, that that global spirit that has been trying to take over the world. The Apostle Paul said that the mystery of iniquity does already work. That was two thousand years ago that it was in the world. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so it's it, it's it's here. It's entered. You know, so yes, yeah, I do believe. I do believe that we are seeing that as Jeremiah saw it, right? We were seeing, what right. did we see in Jeremiah's day? We saw the the the, the change of powers, right? They, mm-hmm. they had their elections as well, right? And electing kings and all that, like we are today. Right. Right. Yes. You know, uh, another thing to consider, my brothers, is also who Zedekiah was, right? He was chosen by Nebuchadnezzar, right? And yeah. and I believe that when Zedekiah was made king of Judah by Nebuchadnezzar, he was only 21 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, which speaks about his youthfulness, and I'll tell you why that's important. But, you know, the prophet Jeremiah was to be a counselor to him, right? But we see that Zedekiah did not heed to the prophet's warnings, right? And yeah. and, and we see, as, as we read in chapter 27 in verse 1, how... The Lord had spoken to Jeremiah uh, about 11 years before, am I correct, in the in yes. the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim. But it all came to fruition to with Zedekiah. And and the and I say this because Zedekiah did not heed to the warnings of the prophet. And it kind of reminded me of something that you said uh, before uh, we began to speak, brother, about. You said something about Rehoboam, Rehoboam, the the son of of Solomon, right? Who did not take heed 
to the advice of his elders, but he allowed the control to go to those of his age. Does, does that make sense? And so I'm, I'm yeah. trying to tie everything up with, with Zedekiah, that he was a 21-year-old. You know, that's whom the reins were given to. And he did not heed to the uh, uh, warnings of Jeremiah. I thought that's yeah. interesting. Well, it is. I mean, and, and how how it can apply is, in some ways, if we if we consider what you're saying, you know, I hadn't really thought about it, brother Jeremy, until you just mentioned it. You know, what's intriguing because we're looking both at the political and the spiritual uh, truths that we can glean from and see how they apply to our time. Again, those of you that are listening, we're talking about what made this generation of Jeremiah's time unique was that Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire came to fruition during that generation. And we know from the scripture that it represents uh, a foreshadow of, of what is predicted to come, which is an Antichrist, Hitler-like, Napoleon-like, Caesar-like, Nebuchadnezzar-like, Nimrod-like, Alexander the Great-like figure that's going to come. And that's, that's that mystery of iniquity that, that, that Brother uh, Fernando was just mentioning. This quest for a, a, a globe dominated by a satanically possessed individual person has been trying to exercise that dominion over the planet in absolute rebellion against the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob since the beginning. He tried it in the garden with Adam and Eve. Right, questioning God, and then telling them that they should take dominion, that what God was actually trying to do was to keep them from having full dominion. He knows that in the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll become just like God, right? That's what he, he, mm -hmm. he even was mm -hmm. then seeking to influence. And then after the flood, right, we saw that there was that figure that came to rest in the same geographical territory as Nebuchadnezzar thousands of years later, we know him as Nimrod in the Tower of Babel. You know, he tried to usurp a, in, in absolute rebellion of what had been commanded after the flood when Noah came out. Be fruitful, multiply, right, and, and replenish the earth. Instead, they tried to collate around one world government, one world system. We encourage you to go back and listen to our earlier podcast several months ago from uh, dealing with Nimrod. I think you'll find it very insightful in how uh, we've come full circle to our time. But the point is this, is that from Nimrod to Pharaoh of Egypt to Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon to Alexander the Great of Greece to all the, the Roman Caesars uh, to, to, to the despots of history, whether it's Napoleon or Hitler or whatever, uh, we have seen an attempt by the devil uh, to bring to pass the ultimate thing which is world domination. And that's why when we look at these kings like Nebuchadnezzar and the like, what we are actually seeing is an attempt of, of global domination. And we're talking about the unfolding of generation to generation and the abrogation of the people of God, of their position strategically placed in the, in the planet by God's spirit himself uh, to withhold the darkness. And, and when the people of God... Uh, or a nation that claims to be the people of God withdraws itself from from its authority and position given to it by God 
as representatives of the light and the true gospel, like Brother Fernando said, it opens up opportunity for for a contra-wise force to interject its will into the economy of of the material universe. <laughs> I know that's mm-hmm. way out there, but I mean, definitely just to come in through the door and and bring about the will of the opposing force, which is satanic. Now, what you pointed out there that I had never considered, Brother Jeremy, which is a long way around to get back to what we were saying, was that it's interesting to note that the global power installed uh, his own puppet king, right? Mm-hmm. And and but ultimately, even though he allowed him to come into power, he would come back seven years later and absolutely wipe him off the face of the map. Yes. Right. And burn yes. the city, the capital city, Solomon's temple, and kill thousands and thousands of people, just wiping them out, burning down the city. It's what I had never really thought about until you said that. Is <clears throat> Uh, we probably, I'm just going to throw it out there. We'll get back to it someday as the Lord allows us to. But listen, see, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. I think what we are witnessing right now, the struggle that we're seeing in the political landscape across this nation, which claims to be a Judeo-Christian nation, that's why we're harping on this. The right. very covenants and the very uh, systems and and uh, mechanisms of 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 the nation state that was created here in America was done so at the request of the founding fathers of the God of heaven. And they entered into a covenant with him. That's what makes this country unique is that in its inception, we're not talking about perfect human beings here, but in the actual inception of the covenants, they appeal to the creator. We hold these truths to be self-evident, right, that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. That is the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So they, from the beginning, we called upon his name. And, and I, would, I, would, I would, you know, beggar to argue with anyone that, you know, and I've traveled the world. My wife and family and I have been on every continent of the world except for the North Pole up there. Uh, you know, there is no nation like the United States of America. Probably you'd have to go all the way back to the promised land that flows with milk and honey when they first came into it all those years ago, Judah and Israel. But the United States was the greatest and is the greatest, most blessed and prosperous nation on the face of the earth, not because we're so ingenious, but because our forefathers before us made promises to God. And and, and over the centuries, we have we have chipped away at that and 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 yeah. we have we, right everything from the slavery and the civil war you know to the emerging 20th century industrial revolution where marxists and communists tried to flood our our system right and and and, and then we had the rock and roll generation and the sex drugs and rock and roll and suddenly the great light and the great pulpits of america began to grow uh, their voices began to grow fainter and fainter Till, till we had the, the kind of situation that we have with uh, that Brother Fernando's talking about, uh, the, the preaching of the true gospel has been removed by and large from the public square and allowed uh, the, the, the vacuum to be filled with what we are witnessing today. And so my, my, my thesis is this, 
Nebuchadnezzar being a type of that antichrist system, are we witnessing in the struggle of this country right now? And I think that's what we're seeing. If, 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 if our eyes could be open and, and it peeled back and, and we could see into the realm of, of the real, which is the spirit, we would see a conflict taking place right now over this country. There was still, right, there was, and, and, and what we saw in Nebuchadnezzar appointing his own king, I think that's what we're seeing right now, is that the spirit of, <laughs> the spirit of Antichrist is already at work, the, the, the mystery of iniquity, right? And it is seeking to install its own next phase, which is ultimately going to lead the destruction of the country. I don't know if you hear what I'm saying. I'm, I'm kind of like skirting around it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Well, just look um, at it, our that, young generation. It, it, basically, there's going to be a president, whoever that president is down the line, that is going to fulfill uh, the ultimate, for this nation now, that is going to fulfill the ultimate um, desire of the enemy and, and globalize or or or, or bring America into the into the uh, complete globalization of this world, that's hard to swallow. That's hard to believe, right? But that's exactly where I believe we're headed. But by the grace of God, maybe he still gives us a little bit more time. But it, <laughs> that's exactly what Jeremiah saw. Yes. He saw it. And Brother Jeremy, and I think that's what Brother Jeremy was going to say about the young people, because what were you going to yeah. say? that the shifting of power, right, has been given to this generation. Look at the most uh, radical um, people in position in politics that we have. They're young people, right? Yeah. They're the Zedekiahs. Yeah, that's true. They're, they're, they're right. the Zedekiahs of, of the world who and, – and, but, but listen, who taught them that? It's Their teachers mm. were – these hippies from the 60s who <laughs> at one didn't, didn't even believe in God are the ones teaching these. And look, and, and now they're bringing about that. Um, because remember, these prophets, they had a big influence in, in the political realm, right? Yes. <laughs> and, 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 and they shifted in many ways the thinking of the people and of the king, Right. Uh, yeah. By the grace of God, they had a in their court. They had a Jeremiah, but man, it was filled with a lot of rotten prophets, you know. Right. But but again, to go back to the point, brother, uh, we see a shift going on, and we see these radical ideas. And, and look at them; they're usually young, what we can call young Zedekiahs in this hour, mm -hmm. that are being put there strategically, as you guys are saying, to bring about the agenda. You know, they're just going to be puppets to bring about the agenda of, of what it's being, uh, this Antichrist spirit is bringing forth in this hour. Now, what we know from the book of Revelation, uh, and, and when we get into that in, in the coming days, is, is that there is a, a powerful economic country where uh, the spirit of, of Babel, the time of Nimrod, that that spirit of of pseudo spirituality, and the mother of all harlot religions and all idolatry and compromise, comes to rest on a geographic territory 
made up of many peoples, many tribes, many tongues, many nations. It is bordered by two great bodies of water. And that is what is revealed in the book of Revelation. And it is hated by what is called the beast, which is from which where the Antichrist is going to emerge. It is some, like the old timers used to to describe it, it, it is called the old Roman Empire revived. But if you really think about it, Rome never went away. It simply morphed into a religious power. That's why we ended up with the Roman Catholic Church. But the Bible seems to indicate that there's a nation that will literally embody the entirety of the spirit of all the world's false religions. And what makes it identified as being that nation to be judged in the last days, which gives, by the way, which makes way for the full control of a Nebuchadnezzar-like figure, that Antichrist, Revelation chapter 13, you can read about it there. Uh, they burn the woman with fire. And when you look at her attributes, which you can find in Revelation 16, 17, and 18, she is clothed with purple. She 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 has uh, She's clothed in scarlet. She has a golden mm-hmm. cup in her hand. Uh, she appears to be... Uh, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, Christian in nature, in that she carries the very colors and symbols of Christianity, but at her heart and and on, on the brazenness of her look, she's actually a harlot because she has seduced mm-hmm. all the nations of the world. And she has made the world to drink of the cup of her fornication and adulteries and sorceries. And when she's burned with fire, what is what is put forth there in the book of Revelation is that is that all the great merchants of the world are going to weep over her because that consumer <laughs> nation that is burnt with fire is no more. And a whole new economy needs to be restructured. And right. so I'm just like <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there, man. That that is exactly what happened to Judah, Jerusalem, is that it ultimately was burnt with fire by by a global power that is right. represented by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire. And those who have ears to hear, you know what I'm saying. So, mm-hmm. so uh, you know, but we'll um, get into. Go ahead. <laughs> it, it's also interesting, Brother Marty and Brother Fernando, in, in Jeremiah 27, uh, where, where we read verse one to three, uh, verse one to verse three, when he when he told Jeremiah to make the bonds right, yokes plural, and not just mm-hmm. to put them on his neck, but he says to send them out. And I just thought it's interesting how it points out to which kings it went to. You know, and just by looking at them, for example, the king of Edom, who is Edom? He is a descendant of Esau, right. who rebelled against God. Who was who was the king of the of Moab, the king of the Ammonites? These two were descendants of 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 a of a uh, of Lot, right? Uh, that happened through incest. You know what I'm saying? All these children have some type of rebellion in them, and these are the ones that are in political powers. You know reigning wherever they're, they're they're reigning at who was Zidon? Zidon, i believe was the son of a of canaan right 
And we know we all know who Canaan was. And well, so that's also, I, I, when you get to uh, Zidon, actually, it's the Zidonians. Zidon. It, that that yeah, that's exactly where Jezebel came from. Her father was wow. king of the Sidonians, right? And what you're actually looking at here, uh, which is really good, you brought this out. Notice who the first king is, because <clears throat> now this yeah. is really this is deeper looking at the word of God. So we we hope we're not going you know too far uh, afield here, but you know the list is strategic. It is how it's presented. Like you pointed out, rightfully so, Edom uh, was the descendant of Esau. And why it's important that you, you know, and uh, since you brought it out, and why it's first is because the Roman Empire, the actual Roman Empire, emerged uh, from the descendants of, of, of Esau, Edom, wow. the Edomites. Wow. They, be, they became the Roman Empire. When, you, when you're addressing Moab, the king of the Ammonites, you rightfully pointed out, they are the descendants uh, of, of Lot, who, who came out of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? And then you have the king of Tyre or Tyrus. This is economics. This is from where Ezekiel actually wow. identifies Lucifer, right? Do you see what I'm saying? Satan himself. So, so all of these represent a different aspect of this Antichrist kingdom? Yes, absolutely. And it's almost as if what's happening here is the preservation for a future coming together of all these kingdoms was actually preserved for a later date. Oh, my gosh. I know this is heavy, but I mean, for a later time in the future when the fulfillment of, of who they are will be fully expressed in the last days. See, it was preserved. Uh, and they had see these kingdoms. They had to yield themselves to yes. prophetic timing, and and had they been destroyed by their rebellion against Nebuchadnezzar, then so would have their descendants. And and this is help me, Lord. This mm. is the intrigue of of the high level warfare that 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 is attempted against the will and purpose of the creator god himself by satan and his forces and and how profoundly used by uh jeremiah was by the spirit of the lord here had he not been uh attuned and accurate in his ability to receive from the spirit of god at this crucial moment then 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 the whole of prophetic scripture till the end of time would have been destroyed right here. And thus, God's word thwarted and Satan would be ruling and reigning right now. This, <laughs> uh, this, this is heavy stuff, man. But that, that, that's exactly what's going on here. It's deeper than we, than we understood. And, and and that's why it's so profound when you think about the intricacies and the intrigue of 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 true spiritual warfare right we're not talking about oh my gosh i couldn't park at the mall you know it's the devil fighting against me no yeah that's how i'm talking <laughs> you know somebody yeah. cut me off on the freeway it's spiritual warfare no 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 it's ridiculous no no we're talking about forces of of yeah. powerful intelligence 
the exercise of both satanic will and the perfected will of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And Paul talked about these wills uh, being worked out as if we are we're, we're a theater being witnessed and watched by the powers that be uh, in the unseen world. These are the intrigues. Think about what we're talking about here. This is Jerusalem we're talking about here in this story. This is God's city. This is where everything started. And so <clears throat> he has to allow it to happen because his justice and the requirements of his perfect law are at stake. And should he have stepped in at any moment and superseded his own decrees, which, which have their foundation in eternity past, it nullifies everything. And so he is so awesome that no matter what yes. the devil throws at him, good, bad, indifferent, he knows how to absolutely navigate through it all and bring about his will, not through an imposition of a dictator ogre, which is what the devil is, yes. but through love right. and perfection of expression headed to an My ultimate mind. end, which is a new heaven and a new earth. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's powerful what you're saying there is that it's it's like God is in control, you know, the beginning from the end, the beginning, you know, and, and the end from the beginning. But he 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 expresses himself each time enlarging his expression to each generation until finally Jesus yes. came in and, and we yes. knew him, right? Yes. And and, and it's it's almost like he's been doing the same thing, allowing the devil to express his agenda through generations. And then right when it you know, right when the devil thinks he has it, he he, he takes control of the situation, and, yeah. and and then another generation comes on, and he and he allows the the devil to express his his full uh, intentions, and then he snuffs it, right? And it's and it's been it's been enlarging as we're headed towards the end. Yeah, right? and, it's and, kind and of we've like, reached like... yeah we've reached and we reach an expression now of this global purpose of the enemy. Mm-hmm. That one has to wonder, and it's going to manifest in the man. Yes. Right. Yeah. You know, and and, and I'm the man of sin. So what we're telling the people is, and 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 in type and shadow, it, it it manifested itself in the days of Jeremiah with King Nebuchadnezzar, of the likes the world had never ever seen before. That's right. Right. That's Nimrod. <laughs> And, and and so are we experiencing the same thing, but this time with the culmination of all things? Yes. And and, and one of the reasons we know that is, is the advancement of of uh, of the of the globe's ability to to interconnect. The last time that happened was in in the yeah, plains exactly. of China, the Tower of Babel, when everyone could speak. Right. They all had one language, right? <laughs> And what did they want to do? They were re- they were building towers to reach into the very heavens themselves. Not since that time have we seen the world come full circle and return to that kind of a time. Uh, where that was the probably entire- the greatest expression, right, up to yeah. date. Because even God had to come down and say, what in the world is going on here? 
you know, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and uh, we know what happened there, but right. we haven't seen anything like it. No, and, and he 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 laid out the pretext right there, like you said in Genesis, was it Genesis eleven, Genesis ten, where that story is. Uh, he said himself, he said we have to confound the languages. In in a sense, he was saying it's not time for this yet. You know, there's a whole bunch of things right. that need to happen. Right. You know, like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob need to be born. Israel, the 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 Lord has to come, right, and and and, and pay the price for the redemption of all creation. Uh, on Calvary and rise from the dead with the authority over everything. I mean, all that had, all that was on the line, right? So he comes down and he says, look, we're going to confound their languages because if if we don't, then there's nothing that they imagine to do that they won't be able to accomplish. That's incredible what he said about humanity, <laughs> right? Right. And we were yeah. talking, so we haven't seen that kind of a situation until now. Until now, mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about AI and quantum physics, and let's go build a colony on Mars. I'd say we're trying to build towers <laughs> into the heavens again. <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, that's what makes it unique, and that's and then throw in the global pandemic. Uh, you know, uh, you know the World Economic Forum talking about nine eleven, nine eleven. Yeah, man, just take the last fifty years, and and it'll, and, and it'll astound you where we've come to. And that's what we've been like shouting from the rooftops to our brothers and sisters, wake up, listen, this has happened before, right? This has happened before, but now, like you said, brother Fernando, it's come full circle and, and has, has blossomed. It's the full fruit of it. I like what brother Jacob, I first heard brother Jacob crash say this and point this out. It was, it was an incredible point. Because he, he was talking along the same lines, and he said this, which always stuck with me. He said, remember that Jesus' public ministry was three and a half years. And he says, when you get to the book of Revelation, it, it appears that the great tribulation, which is also three and a half years, mm-hmm. is God's way of saying, here's the balance to it. My son had three wow. and a half years. I'm going to give the devil three and a half years through his son. And we'll see who comes, right. you know, it, it. it's perfect. Wow. It's, it's balance. It's symmetry. It has to be. See, the religions of the world through satanic influence have distorted these truths. That's why whether it's in China, you see what the yin and the yang, right? <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. you, you know, you see the, you know, the, the two opposing forces, you know, Luke, I'm your Farmers. father. <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> Feel the force, yeah. you know, the bad force, the good one. Mm-hmm. It's a distortion. But the truth is uh, that these opposing forces, uh, you know, are, are actually coming to fruition, as you said, Brother uh, Fernando. Uh, it will be realized in the final three and a half years of human history just prior to the return of the Lord. It is quite conceivable that we're headed this way. You know what's interesting about this conflict? Uh, between Hananiah and Jeremiah, which we're getting into right now. If you don't mind, turn over to chapter 28 so we can bring this to a close real quick. But <laughs> is that is that this message and the coming to head of the message of the prediction of the dominating power and the global uh, domination by an antichrist figure called Nebuchadnezzar came into uh, 
and was presented to Zedekiah and Judah seven years before the actual destruction came. It's a yeah. foreshadow of the, right. It's a foreshadow Powerful. of the tribulation and 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 the great tribulation, which which is the destruction of Jerusalem. And so after Jeremiah comes and gives this message to the king in the fourth year of his reign, remember what Brother Jeremy, you were just pointing out there, how he, uh, he, he read verse three to, could you to us in, in chapter 27? So we can, we can, we can look at this yes. real quick. And send them to the king of Edom and to the king of Moab and to the king of the Ammonites and to the king of Tyrus and to the king of Zidon by the yes. hand of the messengers which come to Jerusalem unto Zedekiah, king of Judah. Yeah, and now we know, because we started in chapter 28, that this actually is occurring now in, in the fourth year of Zedekiah, right? In the beginning of his reign, he terms it as the fourth year of his reign. We know that he reigned 11 years total, so he's only seven years when this message comes mm -hmm. out uh, mm -hmm. away, right? Which is very akin to the seven-year tribulation period culminating by the final three and a half years called the great tribulation period foreshadows of it the very territories wow. and the very kings that he's dealing with are going to have integral parts uh you know or, or involvement in the ultimate fulfillment of prophetic scripture in these last days and and in so doing all of them appear in verse three as flourishing they're all foreshadows and Jeremiah comes and and he interjects himself into the into the international discourse here. He begins to <laughs> he begins to uh, to mess with the ambassadors, right? That's what we talked about yesterday. He and then he gives each and every one of them one of these yokes. And uh, as we discussed, you know, there's so much political intrigue happening here, right? These five kings and their their ambassadors from the five kings they came to Jerusalem and they began to uh, to, to apparently try to create some sort of political and military alliance with Zedekiah. And really it was a plot of resistance to overthrow Nebuchadnezzar. See, they were still trying to resist the rise of, of the global empire. And, 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 it, and it's pretty much in power now. But they were behind the scenes, they were cutting deals. They were trying to, to make an in run around Nebuchadnezzar, absolutely insane, because he was, <laughs> he, he, he's, he's the Antichrist system, man. I mean, this is of that day. And, and it had reached this fruition. And so Jeremiah is sent by God now in the fourth year with seven years remaining. He appears and then he, he gives them these yokes and he says, you go back to your kings and you tell them, thus saith the Lord. Right? So it's at that time that Jeremiah... He emerges, he intercepts the five ambassadors, he gives them the, the yokes and the bands that the Lord had had him made 15 years before, and then the prophet warns them to submit to Nebuchadnezzar or they will be absolutely destroyed. And, and that's incredible to me because uh, he, he's literally preaching, as we've already discussed at a very you know incredibly spiritual level, that has implications far flung or into the far flung future of word and prophecy uh, that was yet to be fulfilled at the end of time. And so the Lord sends Jeremiah to speak now after this to King Zedekiah, who now finds himself, brothers, incredibly isolated. Because Jeremiah, by the Spirit of God, just broke up this alliance. 
because they right. came up under the word of God. They submitted right. to it, and it left Jerusalem, Judah, and Zedekiah isolated. Again, you know, don't forget the truths we're gleaning here. This is, this is the generation of the Lord's wrath. Jeremiah's message was so outrageous because it totally contradicted the message of the false prophet. Right. Jeremiah preached, right? He preached to the king and he tells him, you know, <laughs> you need to submit to what's happening here. This is the will of God. He's allowing it. And it's all really about dealing with you and dealing with this people in their final days. Is it possible the same is happening now? Only, like Brother Fernando said, come into fruition. This, we're seeing the prophetic cycle come to rest. Not, probably not seen since the days of, of Nimrod, a world absolutely connected. And the movement, which is well underway, of a dominating power that's going to enslave the whole world. And this brings us to our collision of these two prophets, right, in Jeremiah chapter 28. And let's hurry through this. Because it parallels our time right now. And like we said, it reveals in Jeremiah 28, verse 1, there's only seven years left. Can you read verse 1 again, Brother Jeremy? Yes, and it says, And it came to pass the same year, in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year, and in the fifth month, the Hananiah, the son of Azur, the prophet which was of Gibeon, spake unto me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests, and of all the people saying, saying. Now, what, before we go on to the rest, what we're going to see here is, is King Zedekiah appears to be absent. And into his absence, Hananiah takes it as an occasion to bring down Jeremiah. He's, he's all emboldened. And, and we know that he's, that Zedekiah is not there one, that's why Jeremiah identified what the year was. It's the fourth year of the fifth month, which is which is the month of Av, which is very interesting, which we'll get into by the conclusion of this. But we know he's not there. You know where he was? Does anyone know where he was? <laughs> Take a look at this. After Jeremiah had preached to him, after the five kings had sent ambassadors, right, they're trying to create this this political uh, and military alliance to come against and resist what's inevitable. The, the five ambassadors go back and, and Zedekiah is isolated and Jeremiah preaches that word to him in the fourth year. And, and, and now when, when the, when, when, when the prophet Hananiah begins to confront Jeremiah, Zedekiah is absent. Why? Well, turn over to Jeremiah, comparing Scripture with Scripture, we'll find out why. Remember, it's the fourth year, the year in which that message came to Zedekiah from the prophet Jeremiah saying, you're going to have to submit or you're going to die. After they had met with the five ambassadors from the surrounding regional powers, and Jeremiah inter interferes and sends them back and says, tell them to submit, which in fact they did, something happened. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar got wind of this. Remember, it was Nebuchadnezzar who had installed Zedekiah, and he calls him and, and makes him come 800 miles away from Jerusalem. He's, he, he has to go all the way to, to Babylon and stand before King 
Nebuchadnezzar, and that's confirmed in Jeremiah 52, verse 59. Can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy? Yes. Jeremiah 52, 59. Uh, 52, 59 or no? Yeah, 52, 59. Oh. Is that? There's no 59. Let me see here. Is it the? <laughs> let me see. I wrote it down earlier this morning. So let me see. What scripture I want you to turn to here? I'm sorry. It's fifty-one fifty-nine. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wrote it wrong. Are you there? All right. Yeah. Yeah. I've got it right here. Here we go. The word which Jeremiah the prophet commanded uh, Sariah, the son of Neriah, the son of Maisiah, when he went with Zedekiah, the king of Judah, into Babylon in the fourth year of his reign. And uh -huh. this Sariah was a quiet prince. All right, so we're not going to get into all that, right, and what actually happened. But what's, what we have here is a clue of why Zedekiah wasn't there when, when Hananiah confronts Jeremiah. What what what's revealed here by Jeremiah is that in the fourth year, right? It's the same. <laughs> it's the same identifying mark that he gave there when it says that Hananiah came against him in the fourth year of the fifth month. Apparently, Zedekiah is now in Babylon and he's he's being called into the presence of Nebuchadnezzar. And the reason he was called into the presence of Nebuchadnezzar is quite conceivably because word reached Nebuchadnezzar of these five uh, resisting regional powers of, of Edom and Moab and, and, and Tyrus and, and Zidon, right? Uh, understand, Nebuchadnezzar, he he has, a, what do they call that today? The, the surveillance state? <laughs> let's, let's, let's use that word. He, he's got spies yeah. everywhere, man. You know, he's just conquered that, that territory of the world. He's just deposed Pharaoh. He's just installed Zedekiah four years into it. He's got spies everywhere. He's already led captivity uh, into Babylon, that first incursion when he took Je uh, Jehoiakim and, and, and Daniel and all them, 10,000 plus of them. And so he's installed spies everywhere. And you know he saw those ambassadors come into Jerusalem and, and, and word reaches him back in Babylon. And I guarantee you, he says, ah, what are these guys up to? And so he sends an emissary, apparently, and says and calls for the king. And here comes the king. I don't know what that journey was like, right? But, man, he has to go all the way to Babylon. See, <laughs> just in that alone, we see the kind of uh, uh, personality uh, of domination that Nebuchadnezzar had, right? It wasn't good enough for him to send a letter to Zedekiah, ask him some questions, and then have a response brought back by, by one of Zedekiah's ambassadors to the king. No, he said, you get your butt up here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about my friends there. You get, you get your body over here, Mr. Zedekiah. I got some things to ask you, right? I mean, that's why he ended up having to go to Babylon, because the plot was up, you know. And, and he went, basically, and we know from history, he went and said, oh, no, everything's cool. No, no, it ain't what you think. Uh, but he ultimately rebelled against him seven years later. It cost him his life, really. Five years later, two years of the siege, seven years later, it's all over. But while he's yeah. gone, right, while he's gone, uh, there's a collision. You know, there's a collision between the two prophets in the king's absence. Hananiah raises up. And, and he begins to prophesy. What does he say, Brother Jeremy? Uh, could you read that to us in verse uh, verse uh, 2 through, through 
through uh through four. Chapter Thus twenty-eight. I'm speak- <laughs> yes, yes. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two full years will I bring again into this place all the vessels of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried them to Babylon. And I will bring again to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, with all the captives of Judah that went into Babylon, saith the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. That's incredible. Could you be more off on the word that you're preaching? You know what I mean? Could you be a million million miles away from the actual situation, right? Mm -hmm. What's interesting, I was reading behind Hananiah here, and I came across this this thought by the rabbis when they commented uh, on on, on him. Because verse 5 says this. Could you read verse 5 to us, Brother Jeremy? Yes. It says, Then the prophet Jeremiah said unto the prophet Hananiah, in the presence of the priest and in the presence of all the people that stood in the house of the Lord. All right. So in verse 5, he's identified as the prophet Jeremiah says to the prophet Hananiah. And apparently there, uh, the words there indicate uh, that the, what the rabbi said was that he was once a true prophet. That's why he's not called a false prophet. He's called the prophet. And so he was once a true prophet, but he became compromised. Yet he knew how to present himself in the prophetic office. Mm. And, and and he and, and and as I was thinking about that, it really reveals wow. something I I think applies to us today, and what we see yeah. what we're seeing as well. Yeah, there are there are there are men who are on their reputations of what they once were. Yes, but they have yeah. right. They have so much compromised now, but they know the onda, as we say in our community, right? They know they know they know the shuck and the <laughs> jive, man. They know how to act. You know, they know how to put on the tie and the Armani suit and say, thus saith the Lord. That's what this guy's doing. But we're not talking about some little guy off somewhere, right? I mean, we're talking about we're talking about two national prophets right now that have come to the forefront. We got Zedekiah, the kings, out of town. And so he read the newspaper, right? Zedekiah's gone. He's up to Babylon. In his distorted, compromised, idolater's mind— he assumed that good things were ahead. He actually thought that Zedekiah's appearance in Babylon uh, was was a good thing. Remember, he's there present when the five kings sent their ambassadors. He knows what, what the conversations were privily about. It's like the prophets of today. They read the headlines in the news, and then they step out and say, thus saith the Lord, as if they're just receiving it from God. And the truth of the matter is they're <laughs> yeah. only – Right? They're only using yep, them to deceive. That's exactly what they do. <laughs> and that's what Hananiah was doing. He had he had privileged information. Remember, it's this confrontation is taking place on the national stage at the national temple. They're in the courtyard. He's surrounded by people and other prophets that were his students. 
and his priest, he ran the show, man. He controls the narrative. He controls the message. And this Jeremiah, he's starting to affect some people, you know. I mean, he's starting to mm. trouble the waters here. And while the king's out, I'm going to assert my authority and take control of this narrative and declare what thus saith the Lord. But long ago, he had lost his anointing. He still identified as a prophet, but he has absolutely no presence of God in his life anymore. And that's why the word that he's preaching is completely false. Wow. What do we see here, right? What do we see, really? We see what prompted him to confront Jeremiah like this. A lot of things. That's what we're talking about, right? Why? Well, number one, Jeremiah had been totally contradicting the word of the prophet Hananiah. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. His influence had corrupted the people, the priests, and, and... And in, and in essence, Jeremiah's contra, you know, his 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 opposing word, it was in, you know, it was bringing a danger upon uh, the king in his mind, and 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 it spawned a host of uh, of of you know questions as to what what the real word was, and so Hananiah takes right. this opportunity while the king is absent in the midst of the spiritual community, and he asserts his authority. Think of think of the pedigree he comes with. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah's the nut, man. He's walking around with a yoke on his <laughs> neck, and, you know. I mean, yeah. he's been around. All he all he ever does is preach doom and gloom, you know. And uh, and now the king's gone, and he's doubling down. And 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 Hananiah takes it as an opportunity to step to the forefront. This is all about ego. This is all about power. This is all yeah. about control. That's what this is about. And it and it shows yeah. how closely aligned the religious establishment was with the political power. It is yeah. what we are seeing today. Yes. And our Christian right? channels. Our Christian channels, they control our so-called Christian channels because they're not the gospel. They control, mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned it before, uh, we were talking, Brother Marty, uh, they control the narrative, the message that goes out. Now, years ago, some of these some of these stations you could still find. This is years ago in, in their in their inceptions, right? Uh, yeah. We could find here and there a good preaching, <laughs> you know, yeah. the gospel being preached. And now, it's controlled, brother, and they're aligned with political powers, and they're controlling the message that goes on. Well, you want to hear you want to hear something crazy? Because you know why? Because they got they got a clue. They got a clue that you know, in order to become a president, you need the Christian vote. Yes. And they took advantage of that. Very much so. You know, they understand that, especially the La Paz election, more than ever. Right. You know, and, and they say, you know what? Okay, you want the vote? Then you got to give me some kind of power. You got to you gotta allow me some kind of, you know, uh, uh, you got to open the door for me to come through. Scratch my back so and speak, I'll scratch right? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's precisely what we see here. That's what we're saying. This Hananiah, this national prophet, was the advisor to the king. And he felt threatened. He felt absolutely threatened by this great prophet, the the one true prophet. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. it's extraordinary when you think about it, you know, that they couldn't lift a hand to harm him, just like God told them. He said, don't be afraid of their faces. You know, I will be with you. I will protect you. You think about this, brothers. 
that this little prophet started as a little boy in Anathoth, a couple miles away from Jerusalem. That's how his life starts. And he finds himself now, four decades later, in the very highest echelons of spiritual and political power, of religious power. Wow. There he, you know, there he stands. The people are surrounded. This is a crucial moment for the nation because what was about to happen right now was this opposition had reached its fruition, as Brother Jer- uh, Fernando said earlier. It had come to a climax. It had reached the apex. Because what was going to result as a as a as a result of this Hananiah standing up in the face of Jeremiah at this moment and saying these things in the presence of all those people, it sealed his fate. It brought him down. He would die within that year. You know, his message, you know, he was a preacher of what the people wanted to hear, right? Like today's false prophet. He was he was a he was a man pleaser. He was ego driven. Jeremiah was a threat to his authority. He he he's a power hungry preacher. He don't want Jeremiah. He wants to control the message. Remember earlier Jeremiah had preached to the king, right, in verse twelve of chapter twenty seven, and then he ends up addressing the priests, right, and the people, mm-hmm. and he tells them not to listen to the false prophets. Those false prophets were the students of this Hananiah. They're all preaching the same message. Right after two years, they, they said that all the vessels that had been taken by Nebuchadnezzar were going to be brought back to the temple, and they were going to have happy days here again. This great revival is coming. Well, now <laughs> Ananias steps up and tries to be Mister Big and Bad. Right? Ah, this Jeremiah ain't nothing, and he's going to withstand him to his face. And in verse six, Jeremiah says, "I hope what you say is true." Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> But but then he says, but but read us verse seven through nine, would you, brother Jeremy? Chapter twenty-eight says, is never, Nevertheless, hear thou now this word that I speak in thine ears and in the ears of all the people, the prophets that have been before me and before thee of old prophesied both against many countries and against great kingdoms of war and of evil and of pestilence. The prophet which prophesied of peace, when the word of the prophet shall come to pass, then shall the prophet be known that the Lord hath truly sent him. And how did Jer- how did Hananiah react to what Jeremiah just said in verse 10? What did he do? Then Hananiah, the prophet, took the yoke from off the prophet Jeremiah's neck and break it. And he broke it. He got ag- aggressive. Now, what can we learn from this? Because what, what Jeremiah in recording this reveals to us is something incredibly profound. You know, it, it, it's something we can learn from. Listen to how he argues in the face of the congregation and the priests and the false prophets and Hananiah threatening his own authority, trying to, to question Jeremiah's authority. He throws down the gauntlet on how to verify the real from the true. In his argument, you know, to rebut Hananiah, he reveals what true ministry has to be built on. He lays it as the pretext or as the case for why what he's saying holds authority and weight. He says, in essence, right, he he turns to history (laughs) in verse 8. Read verse 8, would you? Yes. Verse 8, the prophets that have been before me, and before thee of old prophesied both against many countries 
and against great kingdoms of war and of evil and of pestilence. So that's, that's how he lays the pretext about his ministry. He turns to history and he calls upon the prophets of old and their writings, the scriptures. And he says that, that uh, he uses those as his guide and the revealer of times and seasons and the judgments of God. He's saying, in essence, my prophetic words are not without foundation. They can be searched out. And he says, look to the word of God, because it's my source. The word I'm preaching, in other words, he's saying, is not some word that can't be verified until it happens like your word. I'm right. taking you to the prophets of old, right? <laughs> wow. Wow. Amen. Glory yeah. to God. In, in case you forgot, in case you forgot, that's 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 how you preach. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what and, and 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 picture this: the whole courtyard of God is filled with hundreds of priests and prophets. This is a crucial moment. You know, and Jeremiah stands there, uh, you know, full of the Spirit of God, and Hallelujah. he's pleading. You know, he's pleading. It, it it caused Hananiah to be so angry because, in essence, what he was telling him was, <laughs> you're a false prophet because everything you say has no basis in the prophetic scriptures. You can't take us to the word and show us how Ooh, you're going to validate hallelujah. what you're saying. You can't prove it, but I can. He says, look, the, 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 the true from the false, all the prophets before me, he said, they always talked about judgment. Because it was meant to be corrective and a warning for, for each generation that would read its writings to govern itself and navigate itself according to that which has been warned about. And I've built my ministry on the word of God. That's what he was telling me. <laughs> powerful, powerful confrontation because the the political leader, the king, he's out of the picture. Right. He's He's in Babylon. And it's like Jeremiah says, look. Let's get down to the issue here. Mm -hmm. You're the problem. You are the problem. problem. False prophet. King's nowhere to be found. You're the problem. It's not political. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's not political. God is speaking right now through his servants, and it's a message directed towards the false prophets that have led this nation astray. Yes. Yes. They have counseled the political leader falsely. And look where it got him. Mm -hmm. Right? That political leader now finds himself. All all never can. He's in Babylon. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, he's. (laughs) He's completely unaware of what's coming. That's right. He's standing, he's facing the very one that's going to kill his children in about seven years, right in front of his eyes, and then burn his eyes out, put him in chains, and throw him in a dungeon because he didn't yield. And so it's not some word that can't be verified. That's what he was saying. Think about what you just said. I love what you just, what you just said, but I mean, this is this is our the king ain't here, man. This this is between us. This is church business right now, right? Come on, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. And, 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 and all the boys are there, brother. 
All of them preachers are there. All them priests are there. And the people, they're all there. And, and, and they're watching a great debate go on right here, but there really wasn't a debate. He exposed him and threw down the, the scriptural gauntlet. He said, in essence, my prophetic words, they're not without foundation. You can search it out. You can go to the writings of Isaiah who warned you and told you, you know, take away your noisome songs and, you know, to what meaning is your incense and, and your, uh, you know, and all that. You know, he, I can go to the word, you know, and, I, and this is what, you know, he said, I can go there. But he says, but, but really, we can't verify your word because it's your exactly. word. Exactly. <laughs> so really, we don't know. Uh, we don't really know you're a prophet until what you say happens. He called him out. Incredible. I mean, he had him right where he wanted him, you know. It's like, okay, let's talk the word. Let's see where your word's coming from. My God. I I know where my word is coming from. Where's yours coming from? Where are you leading these people? Yes. You know, powerful, powerful. Yeah. You know, in in the middle, you know, in, in the middle of this pandemic, the fact that God is allowing us to close our, uh, he's, uh, the, for the churches to close and, all, and us to go back to our homes is to go and verify <laughs> and check yeah. and examine. You know, he wants mm-hmm. to, this is where we're going to be confronted also yeah. on an individual basis in our home, right? As he told in the book of Exodus, go and inspect the lamb, right? And make sure yeah. there's no blemish. That's the very reason for this pandemic, to bring us back to verify where we truly stand. You you have no one preaching to you. You, you, Now you have to, you alone with God, in the word of God, and examine what you believe, examine where you stand. That's powerful. It's really, what you're saying is is really what was happening there in that confrontation in, in the courtyard, in the temple, man. I mean, because remember, he's surrounded by the false prophets who are the students of Hananiah, the priests who are confused because they're, you know, they're just servants in the house of God. They're like, they represent like the little pastors in all the thousands of little churches all across the land, right? I mean, that they're there, uh, but they look to these big boys, right? And, and, and they've been, you know, detrimentally influenced by this false word and these false prophets. And then there's the people, you know, but they're hearing the spillover of what's happening is reaching them, at least jarring them. I mean, no one stands up to Hananiah, brother. Nobody. This is the king's counselor. You don't do that. Ah, uh, but... <laughs> he, serves, he serves the king of kings. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. Jeremiah Hallelujah. serves the king of kings. Glory to God. And so Hananiah reacts violently, right? He, he attacks the Lord's true prophet. It's all ego, man. Verse 10, like what Brother Jeremy just read. Then Hananiah, the prophet, took the yoke off of the prophet Jeremiah's neck and broke it. Yes. You know, it, it, it's like today's establishment, right? They violently oppose the message and the messengers. They're seeking to silence the message. Mm. They don't want that message going out. It, 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 it threatens their very cushy lifestyle. It threatens everything. If people start questioning my my suit, and this is a what the rabbi said, like we started, said earlier, this is a guy that used to be known as a prophet. Now he's just a shell. He he's become a, a force of, of of demonic influence in the kingdom, and he seals his own fate. Can you read verse eleven to us? 
Yes. And Hananiah spake, spake in the presence of all the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Even so will I break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all the nations within the space of two full years. And the prophet Jeremiah went his way. Jeremiah left. But notice what happens here. He has now sealed his own fate by doubling mm-hmm. down, right? He doubles down and and completing his his resistance to the true word. Remember earlier, the very first message uh, that he he's actually contradicted everything that Jeremiah has has been preaching. Remember, he tells Zedekiah, "You need to submit." That's preaching to Israel, Judah. But now he crosses over and starts addressing the message to the nations. Right? That's what he said. Uh, that he's right. going to break uh, the, the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, from the neck of what? All nations, not just our nation, but all nations. He doubles down and basically is saying, not only were you wrong about what's going to happen to us, you're wrong about what's going to happen to the whole world. And by by this time, he includes all the nations, and he's contradicting the word that Jeremiah had preached to the five kings, right, when he sent them those yokes. He went too far, man. He went too far. A trap was set, and he went too far. He, He crossed it. And his death was now going to come. Brother Jeremy, could you read what Jeremiah? What then happens? Jeremiah leaves. And, and, and yes. before we get to 12 and 13, which I want you to read, uh, Jeremiah leaves. And this is very symbolic of what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Is that word came to a fruition? This, this, this confrontation sealed a lot of things. And 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 as a result of it, Jeremiah leaves. Very symbolic of what's happening now. Uh, the the prophetic voice from the public square, in in the theological schools and seminaries, in in, in the fair-haired boys of the day, in the mega churches. Uh, that's why there's no Jeremiah there. there. There's no prophetic word there anymore because they've doubled down. Mm. But something's coming their way. Can you read verse twelve and thirteen? Then the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the prophet after that Hananiah the prophet had broken the yoke from off the neck of the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Go and tell Hananiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Thou hast broken the yokes of wood, but thou shalt make for them yokes of iron. You know, what what he was saying there is what, what you guys were just saying, Brother Fernando, you were just saying, you know, the Lord sends Jeremiah to pronounce judgment on his ministry now, apart from the crowds and everything. This this must have been some kind of meeting here. But he and he and he tells him, he says, You have made yokes of iron for them. All you've done, Hananiah, is deceive them. And and made their judgment sure as iron. Uh, because your preaching prevented their repentance. That's what he was telling him. Mm. Your preaching has prevented their repentance, and so this is surely going to happen, and you're the cause of it. Precisely when, when, when repentance was the only thing that could save the nation at this point, as it is today in America. It's the only yes. thing that's going to save us. It's the only thing. Don't, don't be listening to these false prophets that are telling you all the vessels are coming back. And we're going to have this great revival. 
and 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 they're trying to shut down any contra voice to it to that kind of and and, and this is what he's telling to, to hananiah now he says look your ministry which has lost the presence of God a long time ago. You're just a shell of what you once were. And now you're being used as a tool of the devil at precisely the moment that you should be leading them in the proper direction. All you've done is cause the bondage that's going to come upon them and the ultimate destruction to be absolutely assured because your word has deceived them and prevented them from entering into that place of self-examination like we talked about yesterday by the guidance of the Holy Spirit so they could repent and ask God to stay his hand of judgment upon them, which they so richly deserve. You've made it impossible to happen. And don't think this, uh, in our time, man, don't think this current crop of preachers in our nation are going to get away with what they've done over the last several decades. Did you hear what I said? Don't think they're going to get away with it. They never got away with it in the past, and they're not going to get away with it now. Mm-hmm. What is verse 14? He goes on to tell, tell him even further. In verse 14, what does he say, Brother Jeremy? For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put a yoke of iron upon the neck of all these nations, that they may serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they shall serve him. And I have given him the beast of the field also. So then he doubles down and and, and then calls him out again why this judgment is coming upon Hananiah. Literally what he said to him is your compromised false word has not only affected your brethren, he says, you have, a, you have affected the whole world. All these nations have come up under the yoke now. Wow. And, and really, <laughs> I, when I read that this morning, I was thinking, you know what? That reminds me of America's influence in preachers over the last 20, 30 years. I've traveled the world with my family preaching all over the world. And I saw in the early 2000s the, the result of this compromised, idolatrous, backslidden, prosperity-preaching generation of preachers in the United States that have no word. They have feelings. They have gold dust falling from the air conditioning vents. They roll on the floor. They bark like dogs, and they call it God. And they've infected the nations of the world. So that if you go try to preach the gospel now, the true gospel, and tell them what's really coming, they resist you because they've been so hardened and so corrupted by these flashy Learjet flying $5,000 suit wearing people that have come to them and totally deceived him. And, and it's caused the nations of the world to be brought under this antichrist system that's coming. That, that's, what, that's what he told Hananiah. He said, you failed not only your own people, but the light and the disseminator of the prophetic word that was meant to influence the nations you didn't preach, and as a result, they are now under the complete control of this spirit of Nebuchadnezzar, as it shall be in our day. You're, you're out of order, and you have no authority from God. That's what he tells him in verse 15, right? Basically, can you read verse 15? Then said the prophet Jeremiah unto Hananiah the prophet, Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord hath not sent thee. But thou makest this people to trust in a lie. You make them to trust in a lie, and God hasn't sent you. You are out of order, and you have no authority from God. And all you've done is deceive the people, and they've received your word. 
And because of that, your time is up. What does he tell him in verse 16 and 17, brother? Therefore, thus saith the Lord, behold, I will cast thee from off the face of the earth. This year thou shalt die because thou hast taught rebellion against the Lord. So Hananiah the prophet died the same year in the seventh month. The same year in the seventh month he died. These these times are the most crucial of times that we find ourselves living in right now. And who you're listening to is so very, very important. Listen to the Holy Spirit. He's our guide. You listen to him. John told us in 1 John chapter 2, 26 and 27 in there, he said, listen, you don't have any need that anybody teach you. In other words, don't 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 listen to these guys and say, you, you know, you've got to... You've got to listen to, to me, and you got to be dependent on me, you know, because I know best. No, no, I, I, we, we appreciate the fact that you listen to us. We love you, and I know you love us and pray for us, but, but you go right behind everything we tell you. And, and, and like Jeremiah said, is it in the Word? Can you see it in the Word? Because if we ever cease to show you the Word, then just unplug your phone and don't listen to us anymore. You don't need us anyway. We're, we're, come, we're coming to the point where in the not-too-distant future for this beautiful moment of access that we have on these free-flowing platforms, they're going to be taken from us because we're not right. going to be able to preach the word publicly. That's what happened to Jeremiah, right? He left the temple, the public square. So you need to begin to learn how to develop and listen to the Holy Spirit. He will reveal to you what is coming. And he does it like Jeremiah taught us through God's word. Peter told us, remember the prophets and the apostles' words, especially when the signs begin to be fulfilled, which we're seeing all around us. These are those days they told us about. And for the child of God, it's not a time of fear. It's a time of, of sober introspection and yet great joy. Because all these things, are soon to be fulfilled, and and the kingdom of heaven is coming. The Lord is coming soon. And that's our hope, man. You know, that's our destiny. And it's sure, and it's true, and it's real. It is the promises of a better day. The fact that the world has gone nuts, the fact that these false prophets and false preachers have no authority, no word, the fact that we see what we see taking place on a global scale, it's the last throes of a rebellious planet. There's many more things yet to come, but we're not that far away. It's just a matter of a few years now, trust me. If we are hearing, unless God stays the hand, unless there is a true move of repentance on a national basis in this country, then what is coming will come. It's inevitable. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he's telling us in his word is understand what's actually happening. Do not stand up and, and listen to these these stupid words of people that are telling us that we got to take up arms and fight and all that kind of stuff. Don't listen to that garbage. What's happening is happening precisely because of the Hananiahs of our time. 
But God has his Jeremiah's. God has his people. God has those that he took out of Jerusalem. Remember, he took them out to protect them for their good. And if you'll rely upon him and his spirit, we don't have to be afraid. We've read the end of the book. <laughs> we know it's coming. Hallelujah. Amen. And it's a glorious day. It's the day that we are caught up in the air to meet the Lord, and so shall we ever be with him. It's it's soon and very soon we're going to see the king. Wherefore, comfort ye one another with these words. We're looking for a better day where every tear will be wiped away, where every frustration will give way to peace and joy, where every sickness and disease will be lifted, and where the children of God will behold the splendor of God with our loved ones and with all the saints of old. I'm going to walk up to Jeremiah and ask him, <laughs> what did it feel like to wear that yoke for 15 years? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hallelujah. We love you with all our heart. And we're, our, our, our hope and our mission is to encourage you and to, with all our heart to give you what we believe the Lord is saying to all of us, to learn from his word. And to guide ourselves by the light of thy word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And the entrance of thy word giveth light. Even so, come quickly, Lord, is our prayer. Lord Jesus, we love you. We pray you have a great weekend. And Brother Jeremy, would you close us out? Or Brother Fernando, whoever wants to say anything. Amen. Yeah, it's been a, a powerful examination of the word of God. Um and we pray that as much as we've been blessed, that you have been blessed too. And I know you have. And uh, as Brother Marty says, as we go into the weekend, we're going to continue to be praying uh, for you. And we pray God's blessings upon you. So uh, God bless you. And may the Lord uh, keep you. May the Lord bless you. And keep looking up.